Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. And hello, friends. I'm Sarah Hernandez, they, she, and today I'm joined with Kenya Nelson, uh, the author of Ungrateful. And Ungrateful was released earlier this month. Thank you so much for being here today, Kenya. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to meet you. I know. We've been emailing so much back and forth that I just... I'm so excited that you're here today. I'm so great to see you, Sarah. (laughs) I I was like, you know, really a little excited, a little nervous, but I'm I'm really excited to do this. Well, I'm high key nervous, so this is great. So whenever we bring in a guest onto our podcast, we do like to ask one question before we actually dive on in. What does it mean to you to be a feminist? I, wow, that is a meaty question because to me, it just, you know what, I'm going to say this because I know some of my readers, my readers are all different people. I just want to say that to me as a Black woman, as a woman in America, I don't want people to think I, judging by my right, I don't want people to think that I think a certain way about men. I don't criticize men. I criticize patriarchy and toxic patriarchy and toxic masculinity. And I want to paraphrase something I saw on social media that um, a woman wrote, but she said, I'm not saying all men are bad. I'm saying that patriarchy and toxic masculinity is bad. But what's unfortunate is that so many men tend to go along with the status quo of masculinity and patriarchy. So that's what we're critic. So that's what I, my mission is. That's what it means to me is to criticize that system and to break down and dismantle that system. So yeah, that's what it, that's what it means to me. I want to get that clear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are all for taking down systems of the patriarchy because saying hashtag all men (laughs) is kind of problematic in itself. Well, thank you for that. That was actually really well worded. I think the first time that I was asked that question, I was like, oh, I don't know. Let me pull out my list. <laughs> yeah, I had to like do like yeah. a film reel in my head. I was like, okay, okay, there's a yeah. Rolodex in my mind. So you pulled that out so fast. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, well, thank you. And, you know, so we're here to talk about Ungrateful, your uh, recent release. And then this is your debut novel, correct? Or mm-hmm. Debut. Yep. Heck yep. yeah. This is my debut. Yes. And you know, I feel so bad. I haven't had a chance to fully dive in. I like said, oh yes, I'm gonna start reading this book and be have it finished by the time we get a chance to talk. And of course, I spread myself too thin. So um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the book? Um, yeah, so I 
one thing I want to say is I know when a lot of people read it, they, because the theme, it's like the plot is in the music industry and it also has to do, one of the overarching, overarching themes is me too. And one of the things that a couple of people have said was, oh, this reminds me of the TV show Empire. And I'm thinking, well, I actually developed the story at 19. I am 36 now. I, I don't mind telling my age. <laughs> I'm, I'm 36 now. And I'm like, that was like, oh, wow. I, I, I'm trying to calculate. That was like almost just almost 20 years ago. So right. I don't, that was like way before that TV show was even thought of to the masses. I mean, I don't know how long the creator had it in his head, but that came from that. So I, I just, she went through like so many changes until she eventually became who she was. But it's just basically about this young woman. She's 19 in the book. So I, the book is new adult fiction. And she is, is in the music industry. She's being managed by her father, who is a former jazz guitarist. And she wants to be an alternative rock artist, but she wants to be extremely successful in it. Like she wanted to be a superstar. And I mean, she's 19 at that age. So she gets lured in by a record executive. He is a music mogul. And uh, I guess you could say hip hop, urban music mogul. I'm not going to say the names of the real life moguls that I'm inspired by for, for legal reasons, but he's inspired by quite a few of them. Pick, pick and choose. Um, mm -hmm. And she gets lured in by him. And she, goes through this process of gaslighting, um, this type of mind control that he uses on her to control her. And, and the reason why I wanted to write this book was because for number one, I wanted to introduce a Black queer woman that was different than what the mainstream media portrays from a, from a Black woman's perspective. And then also number two, I wanted to address the issues. Well, actually, there's several reasons, but the two main reasons I want to address the issues of idol worship and how idol worship negatively affects survivors of sexual abuse, sexual assault, and how that blinds people, whether it's people in a family to larger scale, like admirers or fans or followers of a public figure and how the idol worship blinds people to listen to survivor stories or to believe what they're going through. Um, one of the things that bothers me is how survivors are debunked by people who do not know this public figure at all, but they somehow feel like they have this parasocial uh, relationship this power to know that this public figure oh I know he doesn't do that or I know she doesn't do that because she's this and she so they have that halo effect so um the you know they think that their survivors are lying when it's like who are you to say they're lying when you weren't there you don't know that public figure so that's just two of the main things that I wanted to address but yeah it's about um, a young woman and her journey into darkness and what she does to get out of that darkness into still maintain her legacy that she worked hard for in many ways sacrificed for and it's just her coming of age even though she starts at night so I hope that wasn't too long with it but no you're good 
you know, and that's something that like, I feel like pops up in the media all the time is just celebrities nowadays kind of showing like, oh, this is how I was abused in the industry. And Mm -hmm. it's almost hard. It's sometimes hard to be like, oh, what do we believe? But, you know, we believe survivors. Mm -hmm. There's no need to debunk this. Yeah. So you're mentioning that Alima gets lured by a CEO executive and Elliot is his name, correct? Um, Mm -hmm. He's this antagonist who, um, from what I saw in your blog, like he, you kind of like took different inspirations Mm -hmm. to create Elliot and then also to create Alima. Can you tell me a little bit about those inspirations that you took to kind of create this character? Um, well, for Alima, I'll start with Alima first. Um, yes, because she's a star. <laughs> yes. Alima, um, there are some things about her that I take from me. And um, I mean, I've never been a musician in the music industry. I do have associates, friends who are in the music industry. But and I, I love rock, even though I, I would say... Uh, even though I don't, I don't like this term, but um, I do like industrial rock, but I like grandpa rock. The rock that my dad listened to. Um, but I, Alima, I would say that she is inspired by that, but she's also someone that I just created because I didn't see that type of Black woman in the media. I, I didn't see that. And there have been some close comparisons. I know some Black women who are rock artists that are very similar to her. Uh, I would say that a very similar real life example to her would be Fifi Dobson. And Fifi Dobson, I, I, I've researched a lot about her career and she was quite an, she was an influence in my creation of Alima. Fifi Dobson, Aaliyah, as far as appearance and as far as how she, her persona, public persona and also there is this she's a supermodel who's a really really cool person really sweet person um Omahira I think her Omahira Moda she uh was if you look her up you would see that she was like a really huge supermodel during the 2000s 2010s um Dominican model and also there's a rapper who's public image also inspired me. Her name is, I think her name was known as Angel Hayes, but she goes by another name now. But Fifi Dobson was someone that Sora was like, hey, you know, I see how her career was. I see how she came about. But I was like, what if, what if it was Fifi Dobson and she became as big as like how Lincoln Park was or as big as Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. It's like, you know, black women are not given, you know, that, that chance, talented black women are not given that chance in those alternative genres. I mean, I can, the closest I can think of is Janelle Monae, uh, but even they are trying to make her less rock and more R&B. I'm like, no, her roots are very rock and funk. So um, Alima, I, created her from that I wanted to put a black woman out there that you don't see on television or you don't hear on the radio I wrote her music and I was thinking about you know a cross between Nine Inch Nails and Jimi Hendrix and then Aaliyah you know I was thinking those different styles together even though Aaliyah is not rock but on to Elliot 
I'm not going to get much into him, but as you saw on my blog, he came from, I had to go to really dark places when I was writing him. And most of those dark places were just, I can say how like method acting, how actors have to get into themselves and pull from real life experiences. But um, I studied dark, the dark triad. And I think, you know, I'll tell everybody to Google dark triad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's so much to get into I don't have enough time but um, yeah, I'm like I don't I'm not unfamiliar just, so I'll have to Google uh, I, I have to do some shadow work and go in and just kind of dig into that place to write him but it also came from the issues that I want that I'm passionate about speaking out against when creating him so that's how I was able to create that antagonist is to think about if I had the power, how would I change this and that? And um, how can I embody that darkness in him to get people to want to be as passionate about fighting those things? So if that makes any sense. No, but does. yeah, that's where I go. Yeah. One of the reasons why I was so drawn to this story is just because there is a lack of black and brown people in the alternative rock scene. So it was just very awesome to see that kind of depicted in a book and uh, yeah I guess that's kind of why I was wondering where your characters come from and I'm unfamiliar with like Fifi Dobson um I don't know a whole bunch about her but you know when I saw Alima I immediately thought Tina Bell who like Tina Bell yes yes Yes. she she she's getting her flowers now it's so sad that she's not alive to smell them but um, I talked about her in my book launch and I was just like, this woman just, it just made me so sad to see how her and Sister Rosetta Tharp is now just being, she was just being honored last year. And I'm like, it's good to see it, but you know what? It's very nice for that person to be alive in that particular lifetime that they were in to see the result of their hard work. Right. And like, I believe she passed away right before a reunion tour that she was going to do. And uh, like, and it's just so sad to see that it's another artist that became victim of addiction and Mm -hmm. died in that way, uh, which is one of the main themes in your book, Mm -hmm. kind of like addiction and drugs um, and how that ties in with the music industry you know, I, I, yeah, when I was just researching her, I, I found out about her last year and I was just like, are you kidding me? Because I, I, I knew about so many different women of color that were doing rock and that were doing punk rock and alternative industrial. But I was like, you mean to tell me that this woman was buried? And I know all these different women, but I don't know her. I'm not saying that I don't know her all that means that oh that's a big thing but what I'm saying is I couldn't find anything until I followed this um page on social media I'm gonna give them a shout their name is called the Bruick and um they mentioned Tina Bell and then there was another page Black Women in Rock on Instagram and the Black Rock Coalition they were mentioning Tina Bell and I just looked it up and I was like okay this is just out of control you got all these people of color, especially Black people, that have pretty much pioneered all the subgenres of rock, including the umbrella, and just how they're being 
pushed aside and buried and hidden like a bad secret, mainly the ones that are, did not get the big stamp of white approval. Like um, even Jimi Hendrix, I mean, he's considered a legend, but even he had to go in to the UK to get appreciation. And now it's just, now you can see his picture all over the place in any rock space as the token black rocker but this man had to go to another country so it's just it's like enough is enough and and one of the things about my field because I'm an educator is talking about critical race theory and just how the storytelling aspect of critical race theory is important for us people of color and people in marginalized groups to tell our stories from our perspectives so yeah but Tina Bell she was awesome very beautiful. I, I love her music, and thank, um, I, thank you, Tina, for bringing grunge. Mm-hmm. You know, so, mother of grunge, mother of grunge right. She sure. is. <laughs> Without right. her, we might have not have had Kurt Cobain, but he's eh, Kurt Cobain. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I like him, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he is who he is. <laughs> so, with the title "Ungrateful," how did you land on that? I land on that because that is a word, a trick, or I guess I could say a trigger word that the abuser often used to someone who they love bomb. And then when that person feels like they need to like, something's not right. It's like a word that is used to further gaslight that person. So if that person is saying, you know, you really hurt me with what you said, or you, you know, I feel like you're this and that. And they say, all that I've done for you, you're being ungrateful. And it comes from my personal experience. And, um, and just, it, it's a word that is used by abusers to make their victims look like they're the ones in the wrong. And whoever the abuser is, whether it's a, a partner or a um, parent, but uh, it's, and it's a word that narcissists love to use to make people think that what they're saying or doing is, is toxic. So I thought that was a powerful word to use as a title because that's uh, some of the things I've heard about. I, I forget exactly who it was, which artist it was, but when they spoke out against what they were dealing with in the industry, a lot of fans say, oh, that artist is so ungrateful. They're so ungrateful. You know, there's so many people who appeal to have their spot and they're talking about so-and-so like that. They're ungrateful. And it's just like, are you kidding me? You know, you're giving power to the predator. And that's what we in American culture and just in many cultures around the world, we give too much power to the predator. And it starts, and I'm not a psychologist, but in my theory, it starts just, young and is conditioned into us and so it's you know yeah it's okay to question and ask and and kind of say I don't know if that's right you know without feeling like you shouldn't say anything because you're giving stuff and so yeah that's why I chose that title I didn't even connect that like after you mentioned that's a word that abusers tend to like to use Mm -hmm. wow so as you're writing the book how did you know that you were done with it? Or is it going to continue? How did I know I was done? Um, 
<laughs> wow, man, I, 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 I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Virgo, I'm a Virgo son, and <laughs> I'm a Capricorn ascendant. I got all that earth and perfectionism in my chart. I was like, when is this going to, so, you know, all that was just like, uh. I um, knew it was done when, or I, I can say this, not so much when it was done, but I knew it was coming to, I knew it was coming for a circle when the characters started coming alive. And as I was writing it, I didn't have to, right well is that what she thinks is that is that what I think Alima will say or is that what I think Elliot will say no they just said it and it might sound kind of like weird but they came to life they I wrote it and they just took over like I knew what was going to happen because they were so developed that they moved the story ahead so that's when I knew okay this story this book is in its final stages and then after that came the mechanical stuff, like the um, editing and all the other good stuff. And um, so that's how I knew that this story was coming in full circle. And all the characters are very vibrant. Even the minor people, the minor characters are very. So I was like, yeah, they're, they're, this would be good for a next for like the next project. Well, awesome. And with that next project, or are you planning a next project already? I am. I mean, I'm going through like, <laughs> I'm going through big transitions in my life. So it's kind of like I have dedicated like this book. It, it's just years and years and years and years. And I was so scared to do it. I, I was fearful years ago about putting it out. And then I realized, you know, this stuff needs to be out here. And I just let, you know, I just left it up to the divine, allowed time to show me when it was a good time to do it. And I did it. And, but yeah, I got some things in the work. I don't really want to get much detail on it, but I will say it will be um, a little, it will be a little different in format. It'll still be a book, but it'll be different in format. I will be illustrating the cover again because I did illustrate the cover. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm an art. I'm an illustrator and an artist. And I'm like, you know, I might as well incorporate my art and illustration into this because it's just been, you know, it's been a little challenging breaking into the arts again, because I was so into it as a kid. But it's like, as an adult, my life just went more into writing and education and so I was just like, hey, I'm going to incorporate my art in and somehow. And so it's like double, it's like double promotion, my writing and my artwork. So it's a piece <laughs> of artwork. At the same time, it's a piece of writing. Oh, okay. So the whole book in itself is an art piece. So like your writing is art. You got your art on the outside. And then one other thing that I wanted to touch on, that book trailer that you sent me. I've never seen a book trailer before. What made you decide that you wanted to do a book trailer? Have, are there many of those? And like, how yes. did you really decide these vibes? Because like every, t I watched it again this morning and I was like, oh, it's such a mood. Like there's so many <laughs> moods in it. <laughs> oh my God. Like I, if my brother's going to see this because everybody, everybody's going to see this interview, right? Yeah. We're going to link the, the video in the description description as well well I know you're saying that it's gonna like make my brother's day <laughs> my brother um 
his name, he's a filmmaker. His name is Ken Nelson Jr. And um, I, there, yeah, there are authors who have made book trailers. Uh, I mean, it's optional, but usually authors use it as a, a, an additional form of promotion. And I remember growing up as a kid and I would see book trailers a lot on television. But my brother, I collaborate on it with him. I wrote out the scenes that I wanted. I kind of like made like a sort of bootleg. I, I can't think of the word uh, treatment or whatever. <laughs> um, he knows those words better than me. Like a scene uh, by scene. <laughs> yeah, sort of like that. Like a bootleg version of it. And I gave it to him and I was like, this is how I want to do it. You know, we thought about imagery and clips that we can use and music. And we did it. And it just reminded me of how like my brother and I used to create things together as kids. Like we are so in sync creatively. And he, we, I love it. I really do. But I wanted to put out a book trailer because at first I was thinking, oh, you know, I don't know. I just kind of, but then I was like, you know, just go ahead and do it. Just try it. And when I told my brother, he was like, before I even finished, he was like, yes. (laughs) <laughs> I'll do it you know he he hired a friend who was an actress and she did the voice narration and she did a great job and um if I'm pronouncing her name her name is Sakia and I told her I was like if there's ever an audiobook I think I will you could be a candidate for it I like her voice but, but yeah yeah he did a wonderful job on it and um I love it. I, I really love it. So thank you so yeah. much. Uh, I'm, I mean, if you grew up watching book trailers, like it makes sense for you to make one for your own book, right? Like if you loved it. And honestly, like I, if we're calling this an art piece, we can include the film in with that art piece because yes. it's all one big piece of art. And that's how I feel about right. writing. And personally, it's just, it's art, you know, people's writing is right. art. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what I was trying to convey just with this writing, because I, when I talk to other, when I've joined the writing groups and joined art groups, a lot of people, they're so like, they just separate it. Like, they're just like, oh, you know, but that's, I, I'm an artist. I'm inspired by this artist when I write, but that's a painter you know, you should be inspired by an author. I'm like, well, but I put inspiration from different places. I mean, one of the people that I really, um, that I get inspired by a lot is, I mean, he's very old poet painter named William Blake. He was a poet, a illustrator, a painter, a writer. He was, and he took all those elements and put them together. And um, it, it's like, you don't have to, I mean, there are other creators who've done that and you don't have to put boundaries between all your art. I mean, even Janelle Monae, I look at how she's coming out with a book and she, she's an artist and she, she's a musician, but then she also does a production. She does a writing. Then she create that character she created and that she acted out, Cindy Mayweather. And it's like artists don't have to be restricted to one space if they have those talents in there they can find ways to say all these inspire this one big project and and many people can do that I just think that I don't know if it's a generational thing I know I sound like an old lady right now but it could be a generational thing with the obsession with labels and trying to yeah I don't know I don't know I'm like we can all be our own pieces of art you know (laughs) (laughs) that's that's how I feel 
Well, all right. I think it is about time for us to start wrapping up here. So if people wanted to find you, where should they be looking? Um, well, they can go to my blog website. It is www.knwriter.com. And um, I update the blog momentarily. I do like different things. So, And also follow my Instagram is my whole name, author Kenya Nelson at Instagram. Please follow me at author Kenya Nelson. <laughs> and we'll obviously have that link in the bottom as well. So people can go ahead and click that link to get straight to you. And then you can also find me at the Sarah with three H's on Instagram. Um, and this has been Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Thank you again, Kenya. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, Red Woman is a dangerous creature, creature. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.